Thanks a lot for checking out the Church on the Rock message this week. We would love to help you get closer to God. The best way to do that is to visit cotr.org connect. Or if you are not near our physical campus, visit our online community at cotr.org online. Enjoy the message and know that God is for you. Well, I hope you have your Bible or an iPad or a smartphone or something and something to take notes with today. Let's get into the Word today, a brand new series that goes along with our small groups on hope and anchor. Hope and anchor. I just love the sound of that word. Isn't it a beautiful word? Hope. And you know, you and I aren't to be like the world. We're to be different. And we're to be hope peddlers. I didn't say dope peddlers. Now, I know you young people say dope means cool, but when I grew up, it meant drugs. Okay? So when I first heard, when I first heard young people around here say, man, Pastor, that's dope. I thought, you got drugs? What's the problem here? Because you know, that's what dope was when I was growing up. It was drugs. But now it's cool. Amen. So, so it, it, you and I want to be hope peddlers. We want to give people hope in a world full of hopelessness. Now, as we begin today, let me give you some reasons for hopelessness. Reasons for hopelessness. Because uh, you may be here today and feeling hope, hopeless and not hopeful. I get it. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. I've been there where you felt hopeless. We've all been there. Those of you online, those of you that are watching, we've all gone through that season, that situation where we felt hopeless. But I want to help you for the next few weeks on hope is an anchor. But let's look at some reasons. I Googled it. I went online. I hope that's okay. AI, huh? Is reason for hopelessness. Problems. Problems, if I focus on them, they'll discourage me. Reasons for hopelessness, people. People, if I look at them, they'll disappoint me. Problems will discourage me if I focus on them. People will disappoint me if I focus on them. Or having the wrong perspective will defeat me. So discouragement, disappointment, defeat are all sources of hopelessness. Being overwhelmed. Ever been overwhelmed? I remember when we were building this facility, $24 million. How would you like to go to bed with that? $24 million, okay? And the bank won't loan that much to you, okay? So, so there are times in building this campus, this, this south campus, man, I was so overwhelmed. I remember one time my pastor, he's going to be here, Kim and I, our pastor, in just a few weeks, Tommy Barnett. And when we were building this building and there was just a shell, I remember he came to speak for a uh, dream team banquet for me. And he wanted to come through the campus over here. All it was was a shell, okay? It was no roof, just a shell. And we were walking through it, and he looked at me, and he said, are you scared? And I said, yeah. He said, I would be too. We've all gone through those times where you felt overwhelmed, and that's a good reason for hopelessness. Feeling like your life is out of control, can't get it together. Feeling like your life is on a roller coaster is a reason for hopelessness. Regret, rejection, 
are reasons for hopelessness. Fear, loneliness, those are reasons for hopelessness. I don't know where you're at today, but maybe I'm reading your mail. Loss of someone, something, a reason for hopelessness. Feeling like you're locked in, you're against the wall, and it's never going to change. It's always going to be like this is a reason for hopelessness. And there are several more. I just went online, Googled it, and these are some that I found. But we all can relate to that, reasons for hopelessness. But I want to talk about being hopeful, full of hope. So we're going to go line up online, verse upon verse, and I think you're ready, I'm ready. You ready? Okay. So Bible hope is confident expectation of something good that's going to happen in your life. Bible hope is not wishing and a praying. Bible hope is a confident, that, that's, that's huge confidence. It, it's a confident expectation that something good is in your future. That's Bible hope. You've heard it that uh, hope in the future gives me power in the present. Hope in the future gives me power to persist. Hope in the future gives me power in the present. People without hope always return to their past. People without hope can't face their future. So Bible hope is a confident, it's confidence. It's a confident expectation that something good is in your future. Hebrews chapter 6 in your text today, if you'll go there with me, Hebrews 6 verses 13 through 19. And let's look at what Hebrews says. For when God made a promise to Abraham. Now, that's huge. We're going to come back to that because Bible hope comes from God's promises. Bible hope. Pastor, where do I get this supernatural hope? From the Bible. One-year Bible. Uh, uh, from the promises of God. You and I don't want to be problem people, but we want to be promise people. You, you, you've seen them. I've seen them. You know, there's those people that, that you see in Deerbergs or Snooks or Walmart or Target, and you see them in one aisle, and you run to another aisle to dodge them. Come on, don't lie. Amen. Those are problem people. I don't want to be a problem person. I want to be a promise person. For when God made a promise, we get Bible hope from the promises of God. So reading my one-year Bible should give me hope. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing. Oh, God wants to bless you. That's the will of God. Surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. That was a promise from God. You know, God's promised that to you and me, right? Uh, we just got done reading Ephesians chapter 1 a few weeks ago with all the in him, right? Uh, he has blessed us accepted us, chosen us, redeemed us. Remember all that? Okay. So notice this is the promise he gave him. Surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. So if I believe the promises of God, what's in my future? Blessing. Promises, but with the promise, I'm not naive. I've got to go through some pain. Uh, there's always pain before the promise comes to pass. Now, God doesn't give me the pain. He gives me the problem. But between my petition and the promise is pain. It's called the fight of faith. 
So notice that, that he said, this is what's in your future, Abraham, blessing and multiplication. I, I declare that over my family. I declare that over our ministry. That's what God's trying to do right now, just with our television ministry, let alone all these other ministries that are exploding at our church. Surely blessing, I will bless you and, and multiply. I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, oh, there it was, pain of waiting, pain of time. Time is on my side. Yes, it is. Oh, you heathens. That's the rolling stones, okay? And you had to see time as a friend, not an enemy. Time as a friend, not an enemy. Time as a friend, not an enemy. So God gave him a promise in your future. There's blessing and multiplication, but you're going to have to be patient and persist. You're going to have to have endurance before you obtain the promise. Well, that's good, solid stuff right there. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them, and an end of all dispute. Thus God, oh, now watch this. Line upon line, God's talking to you through me, the word. Watch this. Thus God determining to show more. God wants to do, some of you are with me, God wants to do more in 2024. More abundantly. That's what's in my future. That's what I should be expecting. Now, not a future with no pain because we're in a broken world. We got problems and people and perspective that will defeat, discourage, and disappoint me and you. But you press through. You keep on keeping on. You don't stop. You don't get offended and quit. Thus, God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise. That's you and me. To the immunity of his counsel, confirmed, that means that God can't change. God can't change, confirmed by an oath, that by two immutable things, that which it's impossible for God to lie, that should give us hope. That means he can't disappoint us when people do. Because God can't lie. It's impossible for him to break a promise. In which it's impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation means encouragement who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. You gotta lay hold of it. You gotta lay hold of it. It's not gonna just drop in your lap. This hope we have, here's the title for my series. This hope we have is an anchor to my soul. What is your soul? Your emotions. This hope we have, this hope, what kind of hope? The hope that comes from God and his promises, not from the world and people. Okay, our circumstances or problems. But this hope, particular specifically, Bible hope, God hope. He's the God of hope. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul. What does it do? It's sure, it's steadfast. Whoa, and which enters the presence beyond the veil. So notice this hope is an anchor. The Bible calls Bible hope an anchor. Wow. What, what does an anchor do? What does an anchor do? An anchor is for two things. An anchor in a ship is to keep you from drifting. How many people since COVID have drifted from their God-given dream? It's quiet in this Lutheran church. 
the Bible hope is an anchor. An anchor does two things for a boat or a ship. It keeps it from drifting. How many people do you know started off with you, but today they're backslidden and not serving God? They're drifting. As I look around 40 years, the people who started with me 40 years ago, I know a lot of them have died, moved, relocated, but, but there should still be some. Okay? So Bible hope is an anchor. It's based on the promises of God. God told Abraham, he said, in your future is blessing and multiplication with patience and pain before you obtain the promise. Well, I like it. I like it. So anchor is to keep us from drifting. And number two, stability in storms. We're all going through a storm. Not me, pastor. You're about to enter one. Here's what I know. I've been a Christian a long time. Either I'm in a storm, leaving a storm, or entering a storm. Well, I was going to be a Christian until I heard that, Pastor Blunt. Yeah, either I'm in a but the world's the same way. The world, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. That means that everybody goes through storms, okay? So either I'm in a storm, I'm leaving a storm, or I'm about to enter a storm. And hope is the anchor that keeps me from giving up in the storm. It keeps me to being stable in an unstable world. Wow. So an anchor is to keep you from drifting in stability in storms. And here's what I found out in my research after all these years of ministering the word. Isn't it great? We're always learning. But, but in my research in church history, I knew way back in Jesus' time when he died in the first century church, I knew that a fish was the symbol of Christianity. I knew that. You know, they were undercover. You realize that, that when they would see one another, they would, they, the history says they'd put, draw a fish in the sand, and they knew without saying out loud, because they were being persecuted, being killed for Christianity, that they were of the same tribe. They were undercover Christians. they draw a fish in the sand. I never knew this, though, that they also would draw an anchor. I never knew that all these years. I never knew that. And then looking in church history, that they would also draw an anchor, and that was a symbol of Christianity, stability. Oh, I like that. Strength. I love that. So uh, hope is an anchor. Hope is an anchor. Now, uh, let me just, I want to give you some pictures before we do this uh, of some anchors and some ships. They're going to have it on the screen, I think, for me. And look at this one. Look at that anchor. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to click, guys. I'm going to let you click. Okay. And there's another anchor. Look at that anchor. Now, now notice the anchors are different sizes, right? Little anchors for little boats. And the bigger the boat, the bigger the anchor. What's that mean? The bigger your dream, the bigger your calling, the bigger your mission, the bigger your assignment, you're going to need a bigger hope. So let's, let's keep going, guys. Let's keep going. Do I have any more? Or is that okay? There's an anchor. I'm just keep on going if you got. There's another anchor. It should be getting bigger. Oh, look at that one. Look at the size of that anchor compared to those people. So, so the big idea is that there are different sizes of anger. There's different levels of hope. And, and depending on the size of the ship, the term is the size of you need of an anchor. The size of your calling, what God has put you on this earth to do, will determine the size of the anchor or hope you need to feed and maintain and nourish and guard. If you're going to run your course and finish your race strong, like we talked about earlier, okay? 
So now let's go. Where do I go for hope? Pastor, where do I go for hope? And let's look at it. Romans 15, 13. Now, the God of hope. Why aren't you glad that we serve a God of hope? And so this is not natural hope. This is God hope. This is God hope. So, so now watch this, Pastor, big deal. I've always known that. But have you ever brought it down, thought about this? If this is God hope, then you have the power of God behind this hope. You're not trying to fulfill it with willpower on your own power, on your own strength, on your own ability. If it's the hope of God, then that means the power of God is behind this hope. So this hope releases an anointing, a power, the glory, the Shekinah in your life. Now, the God of hope fill you with all hope, all joy, and peace in believing that you may abound. And one translation says overflowing. That you may overflow in what? Some Christians are barely making it. Some Christians are in one day and out the next. I see them one Sunday, don't see them for six months. I'm just glad they come when they come, but I'd like to see more stability in their life because stability brings success. Stability brings success. Stability brings strong families. Stability will cause your kids not to be dysfunctional. Getting quiet again in the Methodist church we have here right now. So, but notice it's God's will that we overflow with hope in a world full of hopelessness. So that's what I meant by being peddlers of hope. Not being problem people, but promise people. So, so where do I go? I go to God. I go to God for this kind of hope. Because this is a supernatural hope, and this hope has power behind it. The Holy Spirit. Now, the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. So if I'm in faith, I got joy and peace. If I'm in faith, I have joy and peace. Not self-pity. Not feeling sorry for myself. Is this okay today or is it too strong? Okay. That you may overflow in hope. How do you do it? Through the power. Oh, there it is. Pastor wasn't just making this up for a homily. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So notice that you have a hope backed up by the power of the Holy Spirit. We call that the anointing. Ooh, I like that. So I'm not trying to manufacture it. I'm not trying to willpower. I'm not trying on my own to have this hope. This hope comes from God. And this hope is ignited by the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity. It's anointed, this hope. Oh, this hope is an anchor. It will get me through every storm of life, every surprise of life, every season of life. This hope will keep me stable, and I won't drift from God, the church, my duties, my call, my ministry, my assignment. It'll keep me on track. It'll keep me moving forward, this kind of hope. Oh, can we have a praise break? Like John Osteen would say, don't patty cake. Let's have a praise break. So where do I go for this hope? I go to God. And those of you online, I will encourage you. God loves you. God's for you. Run to him today. Because people... I will, you will, we'll disappoint one another. You know, problems will discourage us. Looking at our circumstances will defeat us. What's in the news will steal your hope. On social media all day long, it's proven it will discourage you. Many commit suicide now because of social I'm not saying it's all bad, but when it's used for the bad and we're addicted to it, it's not good. Romans 15, 4, where do I go for this hope? 
For whatsoever things were written aforetime, that means Old Testament, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So where do I go for hope, God? If y'all are doing today, bless your heart, I'm so proud of you. Where do you go, number two, one-year Bible? I'm so proud of you, amen. You're getting quiet now in this Catholic church, praise God. That, that you're, you're going to the scriptures, you're a promised person. You're going to the scriptures. When you feel down, get in the word. When you feel drifting, get in the word. When you feel like giving up, don't get in the word. So notice it's right there that we get hope through the scriptures. So if I'm not in the word all week, I become weak. If I'm not in the word all week, I become weak. I drift. I compromise. I become a carnal Christian. I miss opportunities because my mind is unrenewed. Oh, praise God. That was worth brushing your teeth and flossing and coming today. Okay. So where do we go? We go, we go to God, the God of hope. And number two, we go to the scriptures, the Bible reading plan. Okay. As it is written, this is Romans 9, 33. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion, that's the church, a stumbling stone and rock of offense. But whoever believes on him, that's Jesus, will not be put to shame or disappointed. I love that. One translation says, will not be disappointed. Well, Pastor, I just don't want to get my hopes up because when I do, I, I get hurt and, and things happen. Well, you know what? That could be a natural hope. That could be your willpower. We need Bible hope, which is confident of what God has promised, right? In our future, that something good is going to happen. And notice, if I put my hope in God, in people, they'll disappoint me. In circumstances, it'll defeat me, right? In problems, it'll discourage me. But if I put my hope in God, I'll never be disappointed. I'll never be ashamed. I'll never be let down in Jesus' name. Boy, I like that scripture. Line upon line. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things. Notice that faith and hope go together. Faith and hope are twins. Faith and hope go together. You can't have one without the other. You got to have both. So notice that faith and the just shall live by faith. And we walk by faith and not by sight. And this is the victory, even my personality. <laughs> this is the victory, even the color of my skin. This is the victory, even my background, my bank account. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 5, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even your faith. So I got a word for you. As long as you and I stay in faith, victory's coming. This, this is what overcomes the world, even our faith. That's 1 John chapter 5, little John chapter 5. Even our faith is what overcomes the world. So if I'll stay in faith, no matter what I feel, no matter what it looks like, eventually I will have the victory. If you will stay in faith and not drift, eventually you will have the victory. But I want you to see that faith and hope are twins. Can't have one without the other. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith and hope need each other. Faith and hope need each other. So I'm helping you all today to activate your faith, to get your faith to work for you. Because if you're, if you're not feeding your 
Bible hope, then your faith can't do what it's supposed to do. Okay? Faith and hope need each other. Faith feeds hope. Faith feeds hope. Hope is the target for your faith. Hope is the target for your faith. Hope is the goal. Hope is the target for your faith. The foundation for hope. I want to give you these things and then we're going to close. Y'all still doing okay? Am I helping anybody? So the foundation for Bible hope, here we go, is this. You focus on these three things. The Bible foundation for hope is focusing on these three things. Number one, what God has said about you. What God has said about you. When you find out from the Bible what God has said about you, it'll build hope, not hopelessness. It'll build hope. You have to find out what God has said about you. Didn't he say you're the apple of his eye? Didn't he say you're the redeemed of the Lord? Didn't, you say, didn't he say you have an inheritance? Didn't he say greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Didn't he say if God be for you, who can stop you? Didn't he say that he delights in your prosperity? Didn't he say that he would heal all your disease? Didn't he say, oh, come on. Didn't he say you're more than a conqueror? Didn't he say you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might? Oh, yeah. What has God said about you? Not the world. What the world has said about you, use it to energize you. Use, you know, your enemies, the enemies that I've had for 40 years in, in building this church, Kim and I and our team, the, the skeptics, the critics, the offended people, the enemies, they actually energized me. Thank you for that, Holy God. Growing up, they told me I'd be dead by when I'm 30. This is what they told me. By age 30, I would be dead. Now, I, 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 I love, and you've heard me say, I love my, my, my background. I love the church I grew up in. I thank God for it. But there were some people in that church that told me, you're going to wind up in prison. You're going to wind up in prison. You're never going to make it. You know what? That was really encouraging. Come on, somebody. Uh, th those were enemies, but you got to let your enemies energize you. I like what Michael Jordan said, that when they say you can't, that's fuel. When they say you can't, it should be fuel. Do you know how to use your enemies? Do you know how to use those people? You know, when Kim and I, you know, we're going to the ministry and we went to our pastor and he said, you'll never make it. Our pastor, he married us. And we said, we're going to the ministry. He said, I love you, Dave and Kim, but you don't have what it takes to be in the ministry. You'll never make it. Don't go. Aren't you glad I didn't listen to that? I am. You wouldn't be here. This wouldn't be here. Okay. So we all have those people in our life that, that call us names, that degrade us, that make fun of us, that belittle us for the color of our skin, our weight, our EQ, our IQ, our OQ, or whatever that Q is. We have people that run us down and put us down for the side of town that we come from, for the school we didn't go to, from the home we were raised in, for all that we went through. Let, let your enemy energize you. Let those people that say you'll never make it. When I came here and started this church, they said you'll never make it. The largest church in this county of a word church was 100 people. We came here. The largest church like this in the county was 100 people. They said you'll never break that barrier. 
To God be all the glory. To God be all the glory as our team comes. So, so it's not what people have said about you. You're always going to have the people run you down, tell you you can't, make fun of the way you dress or look, all right? But those are problem people. I'm going to be a promise person. I'm going to give hope to people. I'm going to peddle hope. How about you? I, I want to bring out the potential in you, in people. So, so the foundation for hope is what has God said about you? Number two, what has God promised you? What has God promised you? He, he gave a promise to Abram. He said, I, I, in blessing, I'll bless you. In multiply, I will multiply. Oh, uh, what has God promised you? He promised to meet all your needs, right? Thank you for, okay. Okay, I can, I can see the planes land and I need to quit. Amen, praise God. What has God said about you? Number two, what has God promised you? And then number three, what God has planned for you. Those three things, and we'll pick it up next week because we have communion right now. But, but those three things right there are the foundation for Bible hope. What has God said about you, right? What has God said about you? What has God planned for you? What has God promised you? Those three things are on the screen for your note-taking. Those three things are the foundation for Bible hope. If y'all got anything today, can you give the Lord all the praise and the glory and the honor? Would you like to keep growing in your faith? At Church on the Rock, we would love to help you. Maybe it's learning more about discovering what it means to join a church family, being part of a small group, or using your God-given gifts to serve others. Head over to cotr.org connect, where you can find out more to all of these. Or if you are part of our online community, visit us at cotr.org online. Have a great week and don't forget that God is for you.